you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. Cool, calm, Until you're not. Cool, calm, and collect until you're not. Right, Brian? Two o'clock Saturday a.m. Becky delivered a healthy baby boy, Truett. <laughs> cool, calm, and collect until 2 o'clock a.m. I read a story about a boy about age 6 or 7, and his dad was out of town, and he wanted to pick up some of the responsibilities around the house, and there was a little spill in the kitchen. So he said, hey, Mama, don't worry about it. You stay cool, calm, collect. Your boy's got it. Where's the mop at, Mama? Well, it's out on the back porch. So the little boy walks to the back porch and opens up the screen door and didn't realize that the sun had set and it was quite dark out there. And um, he was a little bit scared about that. So he came back in and said, Mom, it's really, really dark out there and I'm, I'm afraid. Well, Mom trying to build on what would, was being taught uh, in Hope Kids that Jesus is everywhere, right? He's with you, in you, and for you. And she says, listen, Jesus will be with you. He's, he's everywhere, right? So the little boy goes back to that back porch. He opens up that screen door. He looks out into the dark abyss, and he says, Jesus, if you're out there, would you hand me the mop? (laughs) I I think a lot of us today, we live a lot like that little boy where there's some really scary things out in the dark. And there's a tension to those of us who are Christ followers. Now, it's not lost on me that not everybody in this gathering or everybody watching online has made a decision to become a Christ follower. But to those of us who are Christ followers, it seems that we're kind of caught. We're stuck in the middle. On on one hand, we want to live openly for Christ, right? You're a Christ follower. You're a believer. You, You want to live openly and passionately. But it seems like we live more growing than ever in a culture that's opposed to Christ. So how, how do you live openly for Christ in a culture that's growing more and more opposed to Christ? In Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 6 on the Bible on the screen, Jeremiah said to the people then, which he might as well say to us today, he says, you live in the midst of of deception. It seems like today there is a growing gap between what people say and how people live. The, the, the gap of reality of what we thought was kind of the life in which we lived and what we're quickly discovering is the life that we're living. The question is, how do you live at calm in a cultural storm. Uh, We're tired of hearing about Hurricane Ian. I understand it. Uh, 
But there's a phrase that's not just for hurricane. There's a phrase that has now become a part of our everyday life. And it's known as the cone of uncertainty. There's a storm on the horizon. I don't have to explain to you. You live in the same culture, the same society that I live. So much has changed. I don't have to outline the different topics. You know that there's a storm on the horizon. The question is, is is it going to hit where I live? Some of you would already raise your hand and say, oh, (laughs) that's not a question. It already has. And we've learned not just with Ian, with other storms, that that cone of uncertainty, it can wiggle, that storm can wiggle just a little bit to the east. And it changes the trajectory of people's lives forever. How do we? There's some questions that people have asked me on social media. I put them on the big screen. One is this, how do I live for Jesus without seeming to be judgmental of people who are different than me? How do we do do that? What's my role today as a follower of Jesus in a country that's growing more opposed to Jesus? Is the Bible still reliable? I mean, like, all these things that are changing and the way that we're being instructed and influenced in our culture and in our schools? Is the Bible even reliable in 2022 and soon to be 2023? How do I respond to people who think Christianity is narrow-minded, bigoted, and hurtful? How, how, How do I lean into those conversations? How do I live for God and his son Jesus Christ when there are so many opinions cultural differences, lifestyles, orientations, political beliefs, and spiritual practices. How how, how, how do you, when your grown kids think one thing and it's like, wait a second, I raised you as my kids, or, or, or you go to work. And then to those of us who are raising children today, how do I help my kids engage in culture without losing them to it? There's a struggle. We we struggle trying to find this balance of living openly for Jesus in a culture that increasingly is becoming opposed. And I think, unfortunately, for us who are Christ followers, in our confusion, we've spent less energy living for Jesus and we spent more energy living opposed to people who don't look like us, who don't act like us, who don't orientate their lives like us, who vote differently than us. We think somehow we need to stand up against the culture and say, that's wrong, that's sinful, you're bad, and God's sending you to hell. Hey, hey, Christ followers, you might be correct that some type of behavior isn't godly but I don't think we've been very helpful in our culture. How we say what we say. Thinking that we've got to correct people, we've got to change their behavior. Hey, check out the words of Jesus, John chapter eight. The very same type of cultural setting is happening in Jesus' time. John chapter 11. 
when they kept questioning him, in other words, there were some religious folks, some, some, some church-going folk who saw the behavior in the culture and they wanted to kind of press Jesus in to giving his opinion of how people should behave. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and he says to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. They were correct. They had caught a woman in adultery. She wasn't behaving the way that she was supposed to or the way that they thought that she should. She was violating the word of God. So they took her and they brought her to the public arena and they pointed Jesus to her. Look at her behavior. Look how wrong she is. Look how disgusting this woman is. Notice verse number eight. Again, that's Jesus. He stooped down and he wrote in the ground. At this, those who heard him began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left. With the woman standing there, and this is a message for another time, but can I just ask you out loud, where's the dude? Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. I knew as a church church being a local gathering of people who believe in Jesus. Church is not 3233 Southeast Mary Camp Road. That's a, that's a geographical address in the city of Ocala. This building that you're sitting in, wherever you might be watching online, the, the, the brick and mortar is not the church. You, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are the church. I knew we were onto something as a church early in our history when I was at the YMCA and I was swimming and I took a break because I was definitely out of breath and a lady in the lane next to me lifted up her goggles and she said are you Mark Cummins that pastor over at Church of Hope and I thought, oh my goodness, what has she heard? What has she read? I just want to run. I just want to hide, right? And I said, well, it depends. If he's in trouble, it's not me, kind of, right? I, I, out of nervousness. And, she, and I, said, I said, yeah. And then here's what she said. She looked me in the eyes and she says this. Do you let gays come to that church? And here's exactly what I said to her. All I know is they let me in, so I think anybody can come to Church of Hope. I mean, something's, something's really gotten broken in the country that I live, in the city that I live, in the county that I live, in the state that I live. Somehow, people think you got to behave a certain way to come to church. See, 
You might have your theology just right. You might have your doctrine right. You might have it all figured out on how you think someone's supposed to behave. But hear me out loud. We haven't been real helpful in connecting people to Jesus. And let me say something else that's equally true. We're not helpful when we walk around just kind of lenient and say, hey, it doesn't matter what you believe. As long as you believe something, God in his goodness and his grace will look down and say, hey, everybody, come on, be my sons and be my daughters, because that's not what the Bible says either. Remember, when Jesus looked at the girl in her eyes, he said, where's everybody who's condemning you? Oh, they're not here. I don't condemn you anymore. And then he said this, go and stop your sinning, girlfriend. So being gracious isn't helpful either. Kind of just pretending that, okay, everything's just fine, right? Well, I, I, I think this nuance of how do we as Christ followers live openly, passionately, purposeful for Christ in a culture that's increasingly in opposition, I feel like we've gotten stuck. Uh, there's a quote that I read this week from Chris Hodges. It goes like this. It's on the big screen for you. Uh, truth without grace is mean. You just tell somebody, here's the truth. Here's what God says. And if you don't, you know, you know turn or burn, that's just mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. You give them the grace they keep making decisions that take them further and farther away from God. That's meaningless, just giving someone grace. The key in what we're going to try to learn over the next several weeks, try to discover, try to become as Christ followers is truth and grace together are good medicine. Truth and grace together are good medicine. But hear me, this will be one of the hardest things you ever do in life. If you need some empirical data, here it is. It's why you're not doing it now. It's why some of us err on the side of truth, Bible thumping, turn burn. If you don't act like this, if you don't vote like this, if you don't dress like this, if you do this, if you do that, then God's gonna be mad at you. That's an error or the sense of, overly grace. Hey, listen, we're all God's children, and, and it doesn't really matter what you think or what you believe, and in the end, God's going to kind of grade on the curve, and everybody's going to be just fine. The story of a man, I certainly don't know if it's true, but he was on a hike, and a Florida panther got a scent of him and actually started stalking him. And I'm not really sure where this was, but there was some kind of ravine, and it was about 40, 50 feet down. And he got right up next to that edge of that ravine, and he really had no place else to go. And like you, like me, like him, he starts kind of praying, God, is there anything you can help me? And he noticed right on the edge of that ravine, about four feet down, there was a very large, like, like root sticking out from the side of that ravine. And so he kind of wiggled his way down. That panther is stalking him and getting closer and getting closer and getting closer. And so he finally lets go of the top soil, the top of that ravine, and he grabs a hold of that root, and it holds. Oh, oh feels so good. 
About that time, wouldn't you know it, doggone rat climbed out on that root and starts nibbling away at that root. Oh boy, he looks down 40, 50 feet. He knows if he lets go, something's going to break. So he starts praying, God, God, what am I supposed to do? At this time, I don't know if this story's true. I'm just telling you what I heard. An audible voice said, I got you. Let go of the root. He wasn't quite sure that he heard it correctly. He said, God, what, if you're up there, please, what am I supposed to do? I got you. Let go of the root. His next prayer was, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> Listen, we're living in a culture that it feels like in our everyday life, we're holding on to a root. And we pray and we ask God and we lean in, but we are not confident that we can let go of the root and God's got us. What I want to ask you to do what I want to with every fiber in my being is to encourage you. Let go and let God. We live in a time that's unparalleled. I don't believe that there's a pastor who could stand. I, people say often that these are, we live in difficult times and people say, yeah, but what about these times and what about these times? Arguably, the times in which we live today have more challenges than ever before. So how do we live this balanced life as Christ followers of openly being bold for him in a culture that is increasingly opposed to him? And if you've not made a decision yet for Jesus, can you look past whatever negative example you've seen from somebody else or seen from a church and really begin to believe that Jesus is God's son? The best news I can give you today is this, that God has actually given us a book in the Bible that deals with all these questions that we're going to wrestle with. If you would, grab your Bible, turn with me to Daniel chapter number 1. Daniel chapter number one, I'll also have it on the big screen, but the backdrop of Daniel is almost like what you've seen in the news with Russia invading the Ukraine. The Babylonians have invaded Israel, and they did the unspeakable. Anybody here have a, have a son or a daughter? Anybody have a grandchild? They went in, and they robbed, they stole all of the precious assets from Israel, Judah. They, they took all of the wealth, but they didn't stop there. Their viciousness is they went into the school records and actually found all of the valedictorians, all of the salutatorians, every, all the young men who had tremendous potential, they stole them out of your home. They ripped them out of their bedrooms and took them as slaves back to Babylon. Human trafficking at a whole nother level. This is the cultural setting 
in which we're going to look and the parallels in the times, the confusing times that we live today. Let me introduce you to some of the characters in this story. I'll give an application, a principle, and we'll get set up for our Bible study together. I'm going to jump in in verse number four. A little summary. Young men, as I just described, without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He, this this official in charge was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. In other words, deconstruct what they knew as Jewish boys who were were taught how to worship the God of Abraham, the God of the Bible. This official was being told, you need to deconstruct everything that they've learned about what it means to follow the true and living God of the Bible and teach them our ways the Babylonian ways, the cultural ways. And let me tell you, moms and dads, that's exactly what's going on in our world today. There's a fight for who will instruct and guide your sons and your daughters and your grandchildren. Here it goes, watch. Verse 5, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen, some were from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteljar. To Hananiah, Shadrach to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Key statement, verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid, my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink, why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance that with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. This is the same test that's happening in culture today. Culture has a way that says, this is how you're successful. This is how you're satisfied. As followers of Jesus, we step up we live countercultural. We stay aligned to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And at the end of the day, we say, test. Who's more successful? A person who follows after Jesus or a person who follows after the cultural standard? A, a, a person who makes Jesus Christ the center and the point of their life and satisfaction or a person who makes education, athletics, academics, whatever's in the culture, the center and the point of their life. 
And can we be honest for just a second? At least in the country that we live in, we're failing. That's what's in play. It's living our lives in such a way that, that following Jesus isn't a killjoy. Following Jesus isn't a bummer, and it's, it's not marked by what I can't do. Following Jesus Christ is all about the incredible freedom that I have as a human being, the incredible hope that I have in Jesus, the mercy and the grace and the future that I have. That nowhere in culture, nowhere in academics, nowhere in athletics, nowhere in Wall Street, nowhere in government, nowhere in society can promise what we have in Jesus. But you feel the tension, right? You, 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 you feel the tension. Because culture tells you you, you you had better give your time and attention here if you really want to have success. If you want your children to be successful, you better act this way. You give them this opportunities. And we feel, we feel the pressure. Let me just give you this summary. I'll give you a principle or two to take with you. Look, at, look back at verse 15. At the end of the 10 days, they... The Hebrew boys, following after God, looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate their royal food. This really is the theme. Many of you know I was away working on the book. This is really the theme. The theme of my book is, is titled, Finish. As parents, right, you start in this journey. You have these sons. You have these daughters. And you want to finish. You want them to be healthier, brighter, happier, successful, right? We want that for them. But the pressure point is how do we get there? Whoo, baby. That's exactly what's happening in this culture. So the guard took away their choice food and their wine. They were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into a service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10x. I want 10x for you. I want 10x for your marriage, and I want 10x for your business, and I want 10x for your kids, and 10x for your grandkids. I want us to live 10x, and God's got a plan for us. They were 10 times better than all the magicians, the enchanters, in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. So here, write a couple things down, and we'll be on our way. Number one is this, is how you see it is how you live it. How you're seeing your life right now is how you're living your life right now. Daniel and these three Hebrew boys are taken away from their family, and they could have powdered their, pouted their way the rest of They could have blamed, they could have complained, but they chose to see something different. They chose to believe that their God is able. 
at the core of being a Christ follower is you just believe that your God is able, that your God is able because he came back from the dead. I can come back from anything. No matter what's against me today, it hurts. I struggle. I'm in pain, but my God is able. How you see it is how you live it. Daniel sees it differently. But here's the struggle, 1 Corinthians 13 and 12. Now, October 2022, we see things imperfectly. <laughs> the Bible knew. Like puzzling reflections in a mirror. That's how you feel. What you're seeing happening in the culture. Maybe what's going on with your kids. What's, what's happening around you. It's a puzzling reflection in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. Here's the promise to the Christ followers. But then there will be a moment, there will be a moment in time, I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. So here's my prayer for us in this Bible study. Ephesians chapter 1 and 18. Online, this is my prayer for us. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he, Jesus, has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the holy people. The pressure is for real. And because we feel that tension, I think, unfortunately, we are making eternal decisions through the lens of an ever-changing culture. And that, that brings further pain to all of our lives. Ephesians 4 and 14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching, the latest thing that's on TikTok, the latest trend, and what the polls say or what's happening in culture. No longer are we going to be controlled by an election or controlled by media or controlled by entertainment or styles or whatever the latest thing that's happening because we have grown up and we are mature in Christ rather than mature in culture living openly for Christ in a culture that's increasingly opposed to Christ. Daniel became a catalyst for change. How did he do it? He stood firm with God, not for God. And I think that's where some of us have made a mistake. You've gone to the annual Thanksgiving dinner with friends or family who don't believe or act or think or vote like you, and you've argued against them because you thought you were standing up for God. Note to self, get a tattoo. God don't need you to stand up for him. Last time I checked, he's God and you're not. Stop it. Put away your arrogance. God never asked you to stand up for him. He did ask you to stand with him in his word. Check out 2 Timothy 3. There's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another. The reason I woke up this morning and opened up my red Bible at home and looked at God's word is not because I'm a pastor. 
is because I actually believe deep down in the core and the crevice of my life that, that the success that I hope for as a man, the success that I want as a husband, what I want as a dad, what I want as a businessman, what I want as a homeowner, what I want as an athlete, what I want as a human being is rooted in God's word. It's the stuff. It's the secret sauce. And let me tell you, the best thing about barbecue has never been the meat. It's all about the sauce. You can mess up that meat. I don't care how you cook it. Just put the right sauce on the... That's life. Life has all kinds of twists and turns. It's about the sauce, and God's word is the sauce. That's why 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says, Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for you know that your labor is not in vain. So we're going to stand firm with God, not for him. When we stand for God, it's like we, we're against people. People around us need to know that God is not mad at them. God's not against them. God reached out his arms in his son Jesus and said, I'm for everyone. You don't behave your way into a relationship with God. No one's that good. We begin a relationship with God through his grace and his faith. Now, along the way, my life begins to change. So we're going to stand firm. Here's the second thing is you love people well. And I just want you to know the example of that video that you just saw on the screen. I know the word pride or being proud has mixed connotations, but in the most positive way, um, man, I am so proud of this church. Sometimes I'm not a real big fan of the big church, the big C church. Um, I have, I have felt the Big C Church bite me right back here in this Gluteus Maximus. And you probably have too along the way. But man, watching what you did last week, the, the risk that you allow us to be the kind of church that gets out from under the steeple, although we don't have a steeple, and to get out with the people, your generosity, I don't even know how you begin to quantify the, the, the value of all the goods that worked its way down to South Florida. But you did. And thank you. I mean, you just, you just build me up. I mean, I'm telling you, the message that you all lived last week, it just filled me up um, from the tips of my toes to the top of my head, watching all your social media, hearing things. I, I, I got a text from somebody. They met, they met two ladies who were here for the first time last Sunday and those ladies might be here today, I don't know. They moved from New York City. Someone, someone met them and, in the store and they're like, we just moved here. This was our first Sunday at Hope and they're out filling up their shopping cart with stuff. I mean, I, you, you just love people well. Colossians 3 and 12, look what it says. Therefore, as God's chosen people, it doesn't mean they were better than other people, his holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over and over and over these virtues put on love, 
which binds them all together. If there's anything that our culture needs today, it doesn't need us standing up against them. It doesn't need us using our voice about what's happening in the culture and school boards and politicians and government. I'm telling you, if we would just clothe ourselves and start loving people well, like we did last Sunday, and we go over and over and over. Let me tell you something. There is nothing that evil can do against loving some other human being well. Evil is powerless when one human being loves another human being well. In case you need just a little bit more evidence, take a look. We're just getting ready to launch from, o from Ocala, right? And the uh, trailer's all loaded and all that. And, and a good friend of ours comes running up, said, hey, I got to give you guys this. My, my daughter sells, she like sells candy, right? She wanted this backpack and this candy to go to a child here that might need it, right? So, There's yeah. a little girl in Suncoast named Nellie, yeah. and she's going to love that. Hey, pretty girls, good to see you. Okay, so this little backpack belonged to another little girl, and she heard your story, and she's all the way up in a different part of the state. Oh my! And she wanted you to have her favorite backpack. Yes, there's candy. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, that's so precious. There you go, sweet girl. I really feel like I know we just met you guys, but I feel like you're my family. that script and in your mind start living in a way what we're going to learn that Daniel and these three boys they flipped the script the Babylonians ripped them out of their home placed them in a culture that was far from God and because they saw it differently and because they stood firm with God and they loved the very people who had brought so much pain to their life. You're going to see in the coming weeks how that culture, Babylon, how that evil King Nebuchadnezzar didn't stand a chance against that kind of love. You've been sitting for a while. Would you stand with me? Get a chance to send you out for a great week if you'd let me I would like to give you just two ideas for loving people well in case you needed them one is on October 30th we're having our house party for, for most of us it's it's Sunday and we're going to have a 9 o'clock and we're going to have a 1045 gathering and hope kids will be hope kids and we'll, we'll, to some degree on our campus it's very normal but we say out loud you risk reaching towards someone who doesn't have hope in Christ. Invite them on this day. We will lean in. And I believe many will be like that little girl. You 
you see her holding out of that backpack? Could you imagine on the house party day, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, your relatives, they've received Jesus and they're holding on to Jesus. The second, I know it doesn't sound real spiritual, but on November 4th, this Live to Lead, it's a business conference. That's what it is. I won't open in prayer. Corbin won't come down with his guitar and, 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 and sing a spiritual song. But let me tell you something. With credibility, we will love business leaders in Ocala Metro right where they are. And we've seen it over and over. Some of you are in this presence right now because of a connection that started in Ocala Metro or some kind of other relationship. Bring your, it's a world-class conference. Share it with your boss. And here's another thing in case you didn't know this, Church of Hope. Your consistent faithful giving allows us as a church to buy the site license for this to be streamed here. And when people go to leadocala.com, they have to register, but it doesn't cost them a penny. This conference across America, $99, $129, $139. But we say out loud to the for profits, imagine all of the nonprofit staff leaders that are in this room watching online. If the for profit companies didn't give generously to your nonprofit, to churches, we wouldn't exist. We as nonprofits often have our hand out saying, would you, would you help us? Would you give a little bit, right? On this day, Church of Hope, I'm talking about you, and I'm talking about you, I'm talking about you, 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 you. In our partnership with the Ocala Metro, you reverse the cycle, and you say to four prophets, this is for you. We're not looking at anything from you. So think about it. Invite somebody. I'm going to close in prayer. It's not lost on me that maybe you're here today and you've never begun a relationship with Jesus. You don't have to behave your way. You don't have to act a way. Just ask him. That man on the root, I know you're holding on to what you think you need to do or you need to be. If you would just trust God in this prayer this morning and say, hey God, it's me. I've been holding on and my arms are getting tired. If you're really God, I want to believe. And so help me right now in this prayer in my unbelief. As best as I know how, Jesus, I believe in you. And I'm asking you to come into my life. Forgive me. Guide me and direct me. And to all who just let go of that root, welcome to God's family. We are for you. We're going to come alongside and grow together. However we can help you, there's a number on the screen. Text the word today to that number, and we will help you grow in Christ. Father, I love these people. Thank you for picking me out of all the human beings in the world to get to come and to be a part of Church of Hope. You have favored me, and I am grateful. Now bless each one of us as we walk off this campus today, and we choose to love people well in our city this week. 
and as we choose to stand firm with you. I love you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Peace.